Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Hello and welcome to another episode of Midweek in the Word. We're thrilled that you're along for the ride, that you're joining us, that you're tuning in uh, for Faith Bible Church's podcast. As you know, if you're a longtime listener, but if you're new to the podcast, I am Brad Myers, your host and Faith Bible Church's adult ministries pastor. Um, And as has become our typical routine, though we've had a few guests on the podcast, Tom, I'm joined again this week by Tom Rempel, our preaching pastor. Uh, Thanks for coming back on the podcast, Tom. It's good to be with you the day after the national election when we still don't know the results. <laughs> there, so, there we go. Uh, I know it's been a, a point of, of frustration or confusion or anxiety for many. Uh, I have no idea when we'll actually know the results of the election, uh, but the good news is God will be on his throne That's regardless right. of that. One, one leadership role that is not changing. There we you go. That. There you go. Which is exactly what our, our sermon series over the course of this year has been coming back to. And Tom, you've highlighted a whole bunch of times God's sovereignty and his His hand, not only in the affairs of man, but in the political affairs and the world affairs of man. And so in case you're new to the church or you're new to the podcast, this year Tom's been taking us Genesis through Revelation uh, in a sermon series he's calling Route 66, Snapshots from Genesis to Revelation, How Every Sign Points to Christ. And you've been walking us through the whole Bible. We've been taking a look at the big picture, the big story of Scripture. And this last week you are in John's Gospel talking about the character the Apostle John, um, as we've come to know him as a disciple of Christ. So, Tom, we want to ask the three questions that we ask every week on the podcast that you address every week in your sermons, starting with, what did we learn about God on Sunday? Well, I think the shocker for John and everyone else was that we found out that God became a man. He Mm -hmm. came among us. So he didn't just remain remote and removed, Mm -hmm. but he came and actually pitched his tent right in our midst. Mm -hmm. Amen for that. Uh, Secondarily, what did it reveal about mankind or about ourselves? Well, the reality is that there is a progressive uh, understanding or insight, but basically it reminds us, again, we're spiritually blind, Hmm. that uh, God could be brilliantly present and not be seen until he removes the veil of Hmm. the heart and the eyes. Hmm. Absolutely. It's it's amazing, particularly I find in the in the Gospel of Mark, how often yeah. you sit there and you go, did they not put this together yet? Yeah. I mean, that's us too, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, but it seems, it seems to really press that point home. Uh, finally, how did John's life point us to the person and work of Christ? Well, a, a gentleman in his 90s, I think, reflecting back, he summarized it best, John 1.14, we beheld his glory. Mm. And I think that's the that's the point. He suddenly, I don't think at the moment, but looking back, he said, we saw the unveiled presence of God here, and it was the person of Jesus the Christ. Mm. And the, the gospel of John, obviously, as you speak, yeah. as you spoke to on Sunday, really speaks so powerfully to that. Yeah. From the beginning, the word, the life, the light, just these incredible pictures seven, that seven John points. Seven specific claims to yeah. be that I am of Exodus. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Well, I appreciated that, and, and I know John, the gospel of John, is a personal favorite of yours, and that, that came out oh, on yeah. Sunday. <laughs> and so I appreciate the work you put into that oh, yeah. and, and the message from the gospel of John. Listeners, if you didn't get the chance to catch Tom's message on 
on the Gospel of John and on the Apostle John, we'd encourage you to either find it on our website or check it out on the podcast app. We have a podcast app, Black Background, White Letters, Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, You can find all of Tom's sermons or whoever's filling the pulpit on a given week in our sermon series if you've missed one or two. Uh, But this week, Tom, on, on the podcast, on this week's episode, I'd really like to talk about one of the last few genres or literary styles that we find in Scripture. Up to this point on the podcast, listeners, you know we've covered a whole bunch of genres. We've covered genealogies, narrative, law, lament, poetry, wisdom literature, prophetic literature, and even a few weeks ago, the Gospels, as we found ourselves in the New Testament for the first time. But this week on the podcast, I'd like to discuss parables. Um, They're kind of like stories, typically. They're kind of like narrative, but they also have some really unique features, and and, and I want to take some time, and I want to talk about them this week on the Mm -hmm. podcast, Tom. Um, So, quick piece of trivia, uh, both for our listeners at home and for both Jared and Tom in 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 the studio here, which uh, I'm not going to let you answer first, Tom, because I have a feeling you might know the answer to this already. Uh, but listeners, a question for you: which which is the only of the four gospels that contains none of Jesus's parables? Think a minute about that. Get get your answer in your head. I'm curious. You, know, you can figure <laughs> out uh, any. I'm going to let you guess first, Jared. Which of the four gospels do you think contains none of Jesus's parables? The Gospel of Thomas. The, the Gospel of Thomas. <laughs> safe answer. Safe answer from our technical coordinator, Jared. He wins uh, a gift card. To, uh, to runs a, there we go. Tom, yeah. I expect you probably know the answer. Uh, which which Gospel am I talking about here? Well, mm-hmm. you know, just preparing even for next year's preaching series. Just uh, You've got the harmony of the Gospels, but the synoptics all, the first mm-hmm. three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all are just... Uh, parables on almost every page. You come to the Gospel of John and you read all 21 chapters and go, not a one. Where are they? Why didn't he use parables? Exactly. And I, I know that makes it uh, makes it seem like a strange time to, to bring up parables since you were in the Gospel of John. Um, but as I was looking at the calendar, I'm going, I'm running out of episodes in 2020, and we really have got to talk about this. So we want to take this week, and we want to talk about parables. Um, and Tom, I know many of our listeners are probably familiar with the concept of a parable. They're one of the more common parts of Scripture that are taught on. Um, but I want to still make sure that we're, we're starting off with the basics here. What do we mean by the literary style or the genre of parables? Well, a parable, even whether Jesus used it or the Old Testament prophets used it, it was, it was communicating a message by speaking of something which with they were very familiar, hmm. but from that familiar story, drawing the spiritual implications of it. So uh, it, it, it's, it's a communication model that is designed to cause you to think deeply. To slow down, pause, and say, I'm not sure I'm exactly aware of what that means. And, mm-hmm. and so it's a, it's a thought provoker, I mm-hmm. guess that'd be the question. Much like maybe a well-told illustration in yeah. a, common, a yeah. common sermon or things like that. And, and, and like a really good illustration, people oftentimes remember the illustration but don't remember <laughs> what it illustrates. And often uh, people remembered parables. But they forgot what the parable's meaning was. Yeah, yeah, very good. And and you've kind of spoken to it already, but um, you mentioned Old Testament prophets. I was going to ask, are there anywhere other than the Gospels that are people need to think about that that we find parables? Yeah, you 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 should be alert to the fact that they they appear virtually all through the scriptures, mm-hmm. uh, not in uh, great frequency, but uh, even I think uh, Proverbs in the introduction, mm-hmm. uh, Solomon says that he is writing Proverbs so we could learn how to think through, doesn't use the word parable, but riddles and stories and other things Hmm. 
So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's a familiar communication method. Mm. And ironically, there's some common themes between parables and, yep. and you know, the Proverbs as yep. well. But we don't want to go too far into that um, because, because we also want to recognize that Jesus was the primary one we think mm-hmm. of. So we're going to talk mostly about the Gospels. And uh, the parables were a really popular way for Jesus to teach, kind of to what you're speaking in kind of the rabbi tradition, the rabbinic yep. tradition of this idea. Um, by most counts, we, we think there's 40 or 50 parables that Jesus tells in, in obviously those first three gospel books and not the, the gospel of John. Uh, so the natural question to ask then, Tom, is in addition to the fact that Jesus was kind of using a teaching method the Old Testament prophets had used, why does Jesus choose to teach from parables so frequently? Well, I think in the ministry of Jesus, you know, early on, he, he was receiving great popularity primarily because of his miracle working hmm. uh, presence. But also, as he would teach, people were amazed at the authority that he would teach with. In other words, he didn't always cite this rabbi, that rabbi. Mm. He simply spoke like he was the author of the book. And people were taken by that. But over time, the reason for their following him was more consumerism. And so he begins to use parables to sort out those who are just curious and those who are committed. And it's a, it's a dividing line tool in mm. his ministry. Mm. So it's it's fair to say that parables are used kind of in that twofold way. Yeah. It's meant to speak truth into those that have ears to hear, to yeah. use Jesus's terminology, uh, but it's also meant to to maybe call out the deafness of yeah. ears that God hasn't removed the veil from. Yeah, it's in, you know, regrettably, it's it's the high school kid that doesn't come back to youth group anymore because mm. his, his heart doesn't want to hear the word, and all they ever do is teach the Bible there, so I'm going to go someplace where mm-hmm. it's fun, or the person that comes to church for a while, and after a while, they say, everybody around me seems to know what's going on, but I read my Bible, I don't get anything out of it, and it, it kind of identifies the condition of the heart. Mm-hmm. So the disciples ask that of Jesus, so why are you using parables? And he says, mm-hmm. well, to you it's been given to know, but for others, not so much. Yeah, and you're speaking of a familiar passage that we want to come back to in Matthew 13, where the disciples come to Jesus and say, why are you doing these things? And he explains it a little bit more. Um, But I I just want to go off that theme. I know one of the one of the books that I'm going to recommend, I, we've talked about uh, Fee and Stewart's How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. And in, in that chapter they have on parables, um, they make a really interesting illustration. They think it's, they say it's a lot like a joke, you know, where you pick up on the cues and it intentionally leads you around the wrong road. And the punchline is what really makes it funny, you know, the, the redirect at the end. Well, the irony is a parable is a lot like that, where if you miss the punchline yep. because you don't see what Christ was trying to teach, it's kind of like you miss the joke, you know, and we've all been in that in that environment before. Well, and and, and, and just like a really good joke teller, he doesn't set you up by saying, I'm going to tell you a joke. Right. He simply shifts into a parable, and you're halfway through the story before you realize, I don't think I'm following this quite so clearly. Yeah. <laughs> and I may be the punchline. I might be that, yeah. In Jesus' several times, yeah, the, several times the, par- the, the parables, the a Pharisee suddenly woke up and went, yeah. uh, I think we are the object of this <laughs> I think one. we're talking about us. Uh, but anyway, this we, we don't want to spend too much time on kind of the details here because the purpose of this episode isn't just to tell us about parables or even that they're important. We have to talk about how we're intended to interpret them, particularly because they're one of the most misunderstood genres of Scripture that we run 
one and two. Uh, listeners, you may be thinking, that doesn't make sense. Aren't these short, pretty straightforward stories that are easy to understand? In fact, these are some of the more common stories from Scripture. They're always in children's Bibles. We tell them to our kids, the story of the sower and the good Samaritan and the prodigal son are familiar stories in most of our children's Bibles. And I think my answer to that would be, well, yes and no. <laughs> uh, they are and they aren't. They're, they're powerful in their storytelling, but they're also challenging sometimes to interpret. Um, and for instance, let me just let me just give you an example of an interpretation I found on the story of the Good Samaritan, which is probably a familiar story to most of our listeners. Um, this was this author's interpretation of the story of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan, the man going from Jerusalem to Jericho was Adam, back from Genesis. Uh, Jerusalem is the heavenly city of peace uh, from which Adam fell. Jericho is the moon and thereby signifies Adam's mortality. The robber is the devil and his angels. When they stripped him and beat him, it's a significance of his immortality and them persuading him to sin. Uh, When they left him half dead, he still lives physically, but he died spiritually. The priests and the Levites are the priesthood in the Old Testament ministry. The Samaritan is the guardian and therefore Christ. Um, uh, They bandaged his wounds, and that's binding the restraint of sin. Uh, The oil was the comfort of good hope. The wine is the exhortation to work with a fervent spirit. The donkey, the flesh of Christ's incarnation. The inn, the church, the next day after the resurrection. The two silver coins, the promise of this life and the life to come. And... Best yet, the innkeeper is Paul in the New Testament. Um, that may sound a little out there to us in oh, our 21st... But it would preach. But it would you preach. Can, can I'll preach tell you that. what, it would be powerful. <laughs> um, and less listeners, you think this is some random internet search that I happen to come across. That was actually the church father Augustine's interpretation of the Good Samaritan. And it's a well-known interpretation, so you may have seen that one coming. But Tom, this means that we need to spend a little time on observation and interpretation. Parables can be tricky, and they have been even for church fathers in the past. So let's start off by saying, what are some really important rules that we have to understand when we try and understand parables correctly? Well, the first thing is, is that, that parables are written for a cause. They are, the, they are the heart, the spirit of God speaking. And the same rules we used before for coma, context, observation, meaning and application apply. So it's not, what would I like this story to say But the question is, what did the author intend for the message to be? So we we have to bring ourselves back to ask, what did the author intend? And secondly, when the first hearer heard the story, what did they understand? Because they were all told in a different time and culture than we're in today. Yeah, cultural context, yeah. literary context, coming back to that C yeah. in the coma method, as we've talked about. Um, anything else in addition to that as far as rules? So we have to consider context in the coma method. What else can we apply this way? Well, I, I think it's slow down is yeah. the rule. It just literally, it just takes time. These are, these are short stories that you can memorize quickly, but then you have to chew on them for a long mm-hmm. period of time to, before I think you really begin to comprehend them. So... Basically, it's a be patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know you mentioned briefly, even in our discussion prior to the conversation, the simplicity of the parables yeah. and that they're not meant to be comprehensive, but they really speak to one specific. They're trying to tell one thing. One story. You know, yeah. and if, we, point. if yeah. we begin to allegorize them, which we covered yeah. on a previous podcast, much like Augustine did here, all of a sudden there's all sorts of stories yeah. and there's all sorts of images being conveyed. And that would have been a little foreign to the original hearers yeah, uh, I think to understand that. There, there is one lesson point being mm. made by each story and uh, and we lose we lose the impact 
if we spread them too thinly. Yeah. So so the, that, that kind of twofold. Remember the context. Remember to work slowly through the coma method. And secondarily, remember that parables are uni- unique in that they tell one point. Try to figure out what the one point is. How about practical tips when it comes to actually doing this, Tom? How do we... How do you begin the process? What do you write down? How do you work it through? Uh, the first thing I do is I, I read it repeatedly hmm. and, and look, see if I can I find that thread. The other thing is I look at those that, that may be cultural bound or historically bound or geographically bound tips. And sometimes I need to go to another resource hmm. and find out, you know, what, what's a weed and a tear? Yeah, you know, yeah. I've, I've got weeds all over my yard, but I don't know if I have any tears or not. You know? <laughs> there you go. So uh, those, those kind of things, uh, you just look for the unfamiliar yeah. and try to find a resource that can help you get some light on that. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good a good reminder, I think, because a lot of the images, we've talked a little bit about imagery on the podcast yeah. previously, but a lot of the images are strange to us, you know, yeah. are, are foreign to our culture. Hopefully the sower is, is a, at least for yeah. those of us in Nebraska, is a common one, um, but other ones are a little bit foreign to us at times. Um, but Tom, okay, so we want to begin trying to start applying some of this for our listeners, because given how tricky these can be, I want to walk through an actual parable for our listeners. And you were already speaking to the purpose of parables and what Jesus says from Matthew 13. And, and listeners, Matthew 13 is kind of the kind of the stereotypical section on parables. Yeah. We get a a quick fire succession of a number of parables from Jesus, all kind of moving in one direction with one theme in Matthew 13. So I I want to look at, there's both familiar and unfamiliar passages there, but I want to look at a familiar passage, the the parable of the sower that we find in Matthew 13, basically 1 through 23, where there's the, there's the, the parable and then there's the explanation of the parable that comes after it. And I'm just going to read the story of the parable, the first few nine verses, Tom, and then I want to walk through the context, observation, meaning, application, coma method, and give our, our listeners an example. So Matthew 13, 1 through 9, this is the story. That same day, Jesus went out to the house and sat beside the sea. The great crowds gathered around him so that he got into the boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell among good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. An appropriate way to wrap that up given our previous conversation. So, Tom, let's walk this through. What is the first thing you would note about the context of this parable that Jesus tells? I think, for me, the first thing I would look at is uh, the book that it's in. Mm-hmm. And so he just asks the question, so what's unique about Matthew as compared to Mark, Luke, and John? Talked about that a bit on Sunday just briefly. Yep. I think, secondly, where it's found in the book, it's 28 chapters. He begins the parable story in the 13th. So there's a lot of history that's preceded, so what is built up. I would jump into chapter 12 right away and and read up. And obviously, there's some division coming even right preceding this. There is the clarification that my family is really those who are followers of my heavenly father, not Mm. necessarily my mother and brothers here earthly. So that context helps you go, 
okay, we're about to make a change here. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's honored his mother, and he will again at the end. But right here, when they expect him to honor his mother, he says, no, you're my brothers, and you're my sisters, and we have one father. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that kind of context. Okay. Uh, then the other is I would go to the 14th chapter and say, what came after this? And, of course, you've got the, the murder of John the Baptist recorded there, and uh, it begins then to go back to miracles. But it's so it, uh, suddenly you see it as a, as a hinge moment, a, a pivot moment in his story writing. Mm-hmm. Almost kind of an example of, of uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring division. You know, yeah. we see this illustration yeah. of who is my true family, and then it comes out yeah. in this kind of divisive rejection of yeah. John the Baptist, the end of 13, the rejection of Jesus himself at Nazareth. Yeah, I think those are really, really good notes. So context, we know Jesus is speaking to kind of the, the reality that the gospel he's bringing is going to separate people, is going to call out a unique mm. people that God has prepared for this. Okay, then what do you observe specifically in this parable? Well, in, in this one, I, the first thing I notice is that uh, they don't sow the way we do. And, uh, of course, <laughs> yeah. growing up and pastoring uh, in the Platte Valley, you know, the, the idea that somebody would, would squander uh, their seed by just throwing it out willy-nilly and <laughs> hope that it lands go. someplace. So the first thing I notice is that, that this, is a, this is a time and cultural difference. Yeah. I, I think uh, the, the second is that there, are, there is one sower, I would notice, hmm. that they, he is sowing one seed but it is landing on multiple surfaces. So mm. you begin to see there's the one, there's the one, but then there's the other. Mm. Um, That's really observing the structure of yeah, the parable. Yeah. yeah. Who, is, who is the object and what are they doing to the, the, the subjects? And so you know it's the point of the parable from that observation is going to be carried along yeah. by the delineation of the, the soils, yeah. which yeah. is familiar. Okay. Okay. So we've we've understood the context. We know he's saying this. We've understood the the kind of the framework of the story that he's telling. So then here comes the challenge: How do we interpret those things that we've noted? Well, that's exactly the question disciples ask. <laughs> so again, part of your familiar your, territory. Yeah, <laughs> part of your context is the disciples go say what? You know, yeah. Why are you doing that? And then what did it mean yeah. as it begins to unpack it? So. For the interpretation, I, I've got to look and say, who is this sower? What is this seed? And what, what are these soils? Yep. Which, so to interpret each of those components together without realizing or without allegorizing so that you're not saying, well, each of those is a spiritual lesson all its own. Mm-hmm. No, the, the singular sower with the one kind of seed and the multiple soils is leading me to the one lesson that mm. the parable is teaching. Mm. And we get kind of a hint here, you know, we, we cheat on this one because yeah. we have a section that's the parable of the sower explained, which we don't get yeah. on every parable yep. as we're trying to interpret. So, okay, so take us through it then. The, the, the sower is? I take it here that the sower is, in this case, it is the Lord Jesus who is coming uh, in order to work his field. Mm-hmm. Um, the seed, I take it, is the gospel. Mm. Uh, we would say the seeds of the word, but the, the seed of the gospel so that he is, he is spreading it as we have seen in the first 12 
chapters. Yeah. He has been speaking in this environment, in that environment. He's been in Jerusalem. He's been up in Galilee. He went home to Nazareth, yeah. and they were enamored by his teaching until they went, wait a minute, this is the mm. carpenter from down the street, and then they want to kill him. Mm. So he's, he's taking the truth of the gospel and spreading it around into multiple environments, multiple situations. Mm. And it's only taking taking root, to use the illustration, yep. in the hearts that are soft and yep. have been prepared, to, which exactly speaks to the context of what exactly. you were speaking to earlier. This gospel, this person and work of Christ is going to separate. It's going to create this true called out family, and it's going to cause some to reject violently even this call and this commission. And I think then, then the other thing then you say is, oh, wait a minute, what are the influences that have kept it from taking root. Mm, so yeah. that's, again, I think that's where the message is going, you know. Yeah. Uh, what what are the things that choke out? What are the weeds that grow up and choke mm. out this vibrant seed? There's nothing wrong with the seed. Yeah. And certainly there's nothing wrong with the sower. If, in fact, the sower is Christ, <laughs> right, the seed right. is the gospel. <laughs> so where's the problem? And mm. then you come, there's something going on in the soil. Mm. Well, it's very, most of the soil has has not been well prepared hmm. to receive it. Hmm. Very yeah. good. Which kind of speaks to taking us to the last step. You know, it becomes that that punchline here yeah. at the end. Okay, you're telling a story. I'm familiar with agriculture. That makes sense. We're all tracking with Jesus's story here, and then all of a sudden we realize this: He who has ears, let him hear. In verse nine, the soil is our hearts, right? So what is the application that we should appropriately draw from this story? Well, I think he gives the application that is, if you have ears to hear, yeah. hear the application is, have you have you submitted your heart to receive this message? Mm. Or it's, it's the condition of your soil, or not to be a soil inspector of others. <laughs> right. It's really like you personally, are you hearing this? And and as he will say to the disciples, to you it's been revealed, but the others are not hearing and receiving it. So it's really the application is very personal. Will you take to heart that this one, the master, has brought the seeds of the gospel truth and he has offered it to mm. you? Will you receive it or not? Mm. And then it's funny because you're talking, we talked some about the other parables in, in 13. It's kind of driving at this theme. We have a lot of parables, the parable of the weeds and the tares, the parable of the net, um, these kind of ideas that really speak to what, is it, what does it cost you and, and will everyone receive it the same way? And the answer is they won't. No. They definitely no. won't. Well, good deal. Hopefully, this is helpful to you listeners. We realize parables are all over in Scripture, and we do hope this this discussion together uh, today on this episode is helpful um, to that point. Let me let me try to summarize some of what we've talked about here, Tom, a little bit. Is parables are are in different places in Scripture that we tend to think of just Jesus telling them in the New Testament, but he was working from an Old Testament understanding of the way they told stories to communicate impactful truths which speaks to kind of what we have to remember as we're interpreting them. We got to remember context. We got to remember what was going on then, what was going on for them, what was going on in the book that we find ourselves reading them in, in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or even in the Old Testament. What is the message the author is trying to convey? And then and then keep in mind that the parable is meant to tell one specific point. It's meant to draw a conclusion. It's meant to oftentimes kind of point a finger at the listeners that Jesus is speaking to. So rather than looking to find every little piece and turning it into an allegory that could be applied and to your point, preach really well, yep. we should be looking for what the point of the passage is. Any final thoughts on the subject of parables before we move on, Tom? Well, I, I think to uh, spend time in them, that'd be my mm. encouragement. Rather than run from them, 
uh, I love parables because I'm a storyteller and a story yeah. reader. Yeah. But uh, give yourself opportunity to let the Spirit of God speak to you uh, from them. Don't don't shy away from them. And at the same time, uh, be humble. Uh, when you draw your conclusion, validate it by others who have read it and, mm. and understand it. Yeah. Mm. Very good. Very good. Well, Tom, we must keep moving forward because this coming Sunday, you've got the Apostle Paul. Um, we're moving away from the disciples, the apostles of Jesus as we, you know, the first generation to Paul, yeah. the replacement yeah. apostle kind of idea there. And you're, you're covering Saul, who became Paul. Um, so in preparation, what are you looking forward to teaching on the life of Paul? Well, the exciting thing about Paul, and we laid this out, is uh, all through the Old Testament, we have signs that are pointing to Christ forward. Hmm. And then with John the Baptist, with Peter, and with John, we have had those who have been contemporary with him pointing to the Christ. And now with Paul, we have one who did not know Christ when he lived on earth pointing back Hmm. to him. So I'm excited to see how how does God take someone and call him to a radical life redirection on the basis of the Christ who had come Mm. and appeared that we've Mm. looked for for so long. Very good. Very good. What about interpretive questions? Anything you're wrestling with from this, the life of Paul? Probably with Paul is just that we call him the 13th apostle Mm. after uh, they rolled the dice and chose Matthias in Acts chapter 1. So the, the 12th slot was filled. I'm not going to preach on it, Sonny, but the, the question <laughs> yeah. is, is, is he going to be one of those that is honored, you know, when we get to glory or yeah. not, or is he actually the 13th? It's mostly as he calls himself uh, one untimely born. Yeah. So just trying to un- unpack that a little bit. Mm, very good. Finally, how can we prepare our hearts for this message? Well, for Paul, there was there was one driving force. He he did not look for personal accolades. He didn't look for popularity, or whatever. It was get the gospel right. Hmm. Just be sure the gospel's clear. So I'd say that be prepared to be reminded again the simplicity, but the purity of the gospel. Hmm. Amen. Well, we'll look forward to hearing more about Paul and more about specifically the message that God gave him that he was so passionate about on Sunday. Whether you join us online or in person, uh, those messages will be live streamed at both 8 o'clock and then at our 1030 service as well. So check those out if you get the time or if you choose to join us, we'll be looking forward to seeing you. And thanks for joining us this week on the podcast for this week's episode. We hope it was an encouragement. Remember that if you're following along in our weekly reading as you prepare your heart for Sunday's message, Thomas selected Acts 9 and Acts 22 to highlight some aspects of the Apostle Paul's life. And if you have any questions as you read through those passages or you find yourself in the book of Acts, let us know. We'd love to address those on the podcast. If you're looking for a little more information on this subject, as always, the Bible Project video, How to Read the Bible, the Parables of Jesus, is a great, really streamlined, concise um, introduction to some of this stuff. So check that out. Or I'll recommend it again, Fian Stewart's book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, has a phenomenal chapter on on parables. Um, so check that out. Buy a copy. Talk to me. I, I'd, love to, I'd love to help you in that regard. Um, and then lastly, I just want to note that if this has been helpful to you, please feel free to share. Please comment on the podcast or rate it. Uh, when you do that, it helps other people find the podcast, people in the church or otherwise. Um, so if you've liked what you've heard, if it's been helpful to you, please go ahead and do that as we head into the end of the year. Um, lastly, just know that we will be praying for you as church leadership. We're glad that you're listening. We're glad that you have a heart to develop your ability to interpret God's word and to know him more. And so we'll be praying that God continues to work that way in your life. And we hope you join us again next week for Midweek in the Word.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.